0: A lot of you have asked over the couple of years that Globe has been going, a lot of people have asked, what is the connection between the Bible and my work? What is a distinctly Christian view of work? Um, A lot of us are younger, maybe starting out in work or being at it for a few years, um, out of university, that kind of thing, and we're thrown into a life and, and a city where Work is such a big deal, and, and our lifestyle where well, we spend so much of our time maybe doing work, um, and our friends, they're spending a lot of their time, that's, that's what you talk about all the time, your attention is taken up with work, and so actually you do, you do, naturally, a lot of you are beginning to ask the question of, okay, so since I'm spending all my time doing this, actually what does the Bible say about it? Um, so a lot of people have been asking that, and especially when work gets tough, uh, maybe you've been at it for a few years and you just become a little bit cynical and a little bit like, tired of it. And you do begin to ask the question of, is it, is it just paying the bills? Is, it, is there any more to it? So that's what's motivating us doing this. So I hope it's a blessing to you. The other thing I want to say as we start this series is that I recognise, and, and I want us to recognise, that we are all in different situations when it comes to work. Um, some of us have jobs. Some of us are students. Some of us are unemployed by choice some of us are unemployed not by choice we don't we don't want to be and we're looking for work at the moment so our vision for this series i want to make this really clear um our vision for this series is bigger than just talking about jobs though we're going to talk a lot about jobs the vision for this is to think much bigger about work and vocation basically. Our roles in life, the things we spend a lot of our time and energy doing, whatever's not rest for you, that's kind of your work. Okay, So that can be all sorts of things. That can be paid, that can be not paid, that can be volunteer stuff, that can be even doing things in church. It's it's all work. So do take a big view of work, um, but for a lot of us, we will be applying it to our jobs, and that's okay. But I think it's important that we're sensitive to each other in our groups as well. Um, some of us are looking for work right now, and that's just really painful and hard. And when we're talking about jobs and things, just, just be sensitive um, to the differences around, around the group. Um, but we are all working in some way. Uh, we all do things um, with our time, with our days, for God. And so the Bible has a lot to say to us. Okay? So with that, all that um, as introduction, let's pray. Dear, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that your, your word is sufficient for everything. That it's useful for training, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness, and so we know that it's got something to say to us, no matter who we are, whatever our nine-to-five, as it were, whatever we do with our day. We know you care about it, and we thank you for all that your Bible does say about what we do, what we do with our time. It's happened again, (laughs) Um, and we pray that you would help us to listen to your word to apply it well, to help each other as we do a lot of discussion about work, um, that you give us bigger imaginations and abilities to see our work maybe in fresh ways. And Lord, we really want to glorify you. Every single day of the week, no matter what we're doing, please help us to learn what it means to bring you glory as we live in your world. In Jesus' name, Amen. Can you hear me at the back? Or do I need to get some batteries? Yeah, but you wouldn't have been, you see, if you hadn't have heard me, you wouldn't have known to answer the question. Anyway, right. right. Very good. Right. What if I told you that you were going to work forever? Okay. What if I told you you are going to work forever? Okay. What's your gut reaction to that idea? Going to work forever. Turn with me to Isaiah 65, page 753. Isaiah 65, page 753. Now, as as we read this, this is a prophecy, a vision of the new creation. This is eternity. This is what God says. It's an incredible vision. Verse 17. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create, for I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them, or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. So this is a vision of the new creation. And slap bang in the middle, did you notice? There's verse 23, verse 21 building houses and living in them, planting vineyards. Verse 22 um, talks about the work of their hands and it's going to be fruitful. And then verse 23, they will not labour in vain. They will labour, but not in vain. Interesting. So this is a vision of eternity and in it is this fruitful work. But the word work, I think, doesn't quite describe what's going on here. Actually, it's a much richer vision than what the word work normally means to us. The word that we're going to use to talk about the biblical vision of work is our title for the series, Cultivate. The biblical vision of work is cultivation. And you see it here, this vision of building houses so that you can live in them and enjoy them, planting vineyards and enjoying its fruit, this kind of doing things and... bringing cultivations, having fruit from it. It's something to enjoy. So this isn't just doing nine to five only only because you kind of have to. The kind of work... That we will do in the new creation is this cultivating work building so you can live safely planting so you can enjoy food this new city this new jerusalem did you see the language it's such a place of thriving of flourishing as you as, as we will work and labor under god's blessing that's eternity work in the bible is cultivation and here's the definition we're going to have um, for cultivation this is going to be useful for you throughout the whole series, okay? So today we're really laying foundations. Cultivation is caring for and developing God's world for good. That's our definition of of work, really. Cultivation is caring for and developing God's world for good. That's the biblical vision of work, cultivation, caring for and developing God's world for good. And today we're thinking about the fact that we are created to cultivate, to do this. So I want to show you from the Bible this vision of work as cultivation and that it's really good. Okay, so first up, we're going to see this. God cultivates. When God works, he is cultivating. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. We've looked at how we're going to spend eternity. Let's have a look at how everything starts. Genesis 1, on, disappointingly, page 3. Anyway, Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty darkness was over the surface of, surface of the deep and the spirit of god was hovering over the waters so god starts with making heavens uh, making the earth formless and empty there's the formless idea is that it's kind of chaotic and it's empty it's not filled with life or anything yet there's stuff there that god's made but it's not finished god actually has some more work to do and what god does is order and form what is formless, and he fills what is empty. Okay, Let's have a look at an example. This is what happens in all the days. God orders what is chaotic and formless, and he fills what is empty. Let's have a look at day one. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. So God, it starts with darkness, this chaotic formlessness. And so God creates light and gives structure and order to the light. Do you see that? He gives structure. The light's good and he separates light from darkness. It's not, it's not chaotic anymore, there's separation. And then we have night and day structure and god then does some more development he fills the sky with lights. remember it's empty so god fills the skies with lights have a look down to verse 14 this is where god fills and god said let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. Do you see how God cultivates the sky. He doesn't just say, let there be light. We get more detail than that. He structures day and night. He sets out, it says, days and years. Think of what that means for us in human life, having days and years and how much that affects us. He cultivates the earth by putting the sun, and it says, so so that we can live, to shine on the earth so we can have light. Think of the cultivation that comes from the sun being in the sky, all the life that that brings to us. And he kept cultivating the sun and the moon, night and day, just what we need. Imagine if it was always day. I guess Scandinavians have a bit of that. But we, we need that to live. And then he splashes the stars across the universe. God cultivates this blank canvas and it teems with order and structure that allows humans to flourish in life. Years, days, nights, lights, so we can see what we're doing, so that we can exist. And if you work through the other days, and I encourage you to do this at home, they're they're the same. God makes, he structures, he fills creation so that it flourishes. That's the only way of describing it, it's just cultivates and it flourishes. So going back to our definition, really God cares for and develops his creation for good. He's cultivating, he's working, he's cultivating. Is God just passing the hours until his lunch break? No, this is his cultivation of creation for our good and his glory. So I just want to say, and you'll think about this more in your study, if we tend to see work as fundamentally a bad thing, how does it change things to see God work like this? Next, I want to show you that we cultivate. Having just witnessed God's working week, which is more productive than my working week, I'll be honest, uh, we next get humans cultivating. Turn over the page to verse 27 where humans get created. Verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful Created humans to be special, distinct from the animals. We are made in God's image. What does that mean? Well, it says uh, in verse 27 we're made from in God's image. And what we get next in verse 28 is our job description. Humanity's job description. And I want you to notice that our job description is a lot like God's. It's a lot like his job description and what he's just done. Have a look at verse 28. God bless them and said to them, "Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, etc., etc." So think about what we saw about God. God cultivated creation so that it was ordered and brimming with life. He makes humans and says, "Humans are now to cultivate creation so that it's ordered, rule over everything." And humans are to cultivate creation so that it's brimming with life. Be fruitful, increase in number. Do you see the parallel? God fills the world with life and makes it ordered. And he says, now you go, fill the world with life and keep it ordered. He works, he cultivates, we work, we cultivate. God works to cultivate an a fruitful world. And he it's like he passes on the baton to us and says, carry on what I've started. Cultivate work. And I mean, there's a lot of work and enjoy the fruit of it. Eat the food, enjoy the fruit. Let me read to you um, how an author called Tim Keller puts this. It's a bit of a long chunk, but I think it's worth listening to. He says this. If we are to be God's image bearers with regard to creation, then we will carry on his pattern of work. His world is not hostile so that it needs to be beaten down like an enemy. Rather, its potential is undeveloped. So it needs to be cultivated like a garden. So we are not to relate to the world as park rangers whose job is not to, not to change their space, but to preserve things as they are. Nor are we to pave over the garden of the created world and make it into a car park. No, we're to be gardeners who take an active stance towards their charge. They do not leave the land as it is. Work is creative and assertive. It's rearranging the raw material of God's creation in such a way that it helps the world in general. And people in particular thrive and flourish. Rearranging, using what is in God's world to bless other people. That's work. In some ways this is slightly odd because, um, well, God has finished his creation, right? And we get down to verse one. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And yet you get this sense of the work's not over. God wants his world to be continually cultivated like he's just been doing in creation. Carry it on. We're to work, to build cities, build homes to live in, to grow food, to sustain us and enjoy and so on and so on. We're to take the raw materials of what God has made and use it for good. Now, quite obviously, we get a lot more of this cultivation language in the garden in Eden. So let's have a look at that. 2 verse 15. The Lord God took the man, Adam, and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So what's Adam's job? It's not to wreck the garden. And it's not to simply maintain it. He's to work and take care of it. He's also supposed to enjoy it. Go and eat all the lovely-looking juicy pomegranates and stuff. Just don't eat from that one. Do you see the cultivation language of the gardener who is to cultivate this garden which kind of represents the world? But notice something very important. God is what we're going to call throughout the series the chief cultivator. God is still the chief cultivator. Look at verse 17. He says, but you must not eat from that tree. And we all know what happens, right? So there are rules. God, God passes on the baton. The chief cultivator has given humanity this world to go and cultivate. But it's let's be really clear, it's all under his rule. He's, he's the top chief cultivator. It's his world. He tells us how best to look after his world. It's his world that we cultivate. And we're going to keep referring to God as the chief cultivator as we go. So you might be thinking, ah, we're all supposed to be farmers, Is that what you're saying, Phil? The work is cultivation, so farmers are the most kind of godly workers. And pirates. (laughs) 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 Definitely not godly. Anyway. This is something really interesting. If we turn over a couple of pages, chapter 4, Genesis 4. After the fall, which we're going to look at next week, by the way, if you're wondering, oh no, this is all very idealistic. We'll do the fall. Don't worry. Um, After the fall, God's people humans do spread out throughout the earth and they start filling the earth and subduing it. Um, And and what we get is we see them working and cultivating. They're not just all farmers. There's a real variety. Have a look at verse 20 of chapter four. Ada gave birth to Jabal. There's a lot of babies being born. They're filling the earth and subduing it. Anyway, he was the father of those who live in tents and raise livestock, farmers, okay. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all who play stringed instruments and pipes. Hmm. Zilla also had a son, Tubal Cain who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron very interesting bronze I don't know much about metals and stuff but I'm pretty sure that's an alloy that is they've taken two elements put them together and made something new that they can then use for the good of humanity bronze, we still use it today musical instruments Genesis 4, this is early music r- like really early music musical instruments didn't just appear in the world and on the eighth day God made guitars, stringed instruments no, think about it, these early humans worked designed, took what God had made and with God given creativity invented musical instruments and made them and learned how to play them they, they cultivated music And I assume they taught it to each other. He's the father of those who play music, all who play. So they would pass it on and on. So what were their jobs? Well, some of them were clearly music tutors, right? Some of them were instrument makers. Some of them were teaching music to pass it on, inventing music, I guess, and providing a good open mic night around the fire with some camels. They played music. Where did that come from? It wasn't in the first seven days of God's creation. They worked. They cultivated Bronze, they cultivated. Do you see God's vision for us? We're created to cultivate, made to work forever. Our job is to responsibly use what is in God's world for good in obedience to the chief cultivator. That's our big vision. That's the Bible's big vision for work. Okay, what about you and me? I think this injects an exciting vision into our different roles in life. Each of us in different ways are. Cultivating God's world for good. You may have never thought about your work that way, and it still might sound odd. But each of us in very different ways are cultivating God's world for good. Ask this: what would happen if no one did your role? Whatever that may be. What would happen if no one did your role in life? Or what would happen if your role was done really badly? Think about um if you're a chairmaker. Think about if you're a chairmaker. You work in a factory that produces these blue chairs that we have here. What if no one did that? I mean, like no one in the world did that and made these chairs. We'd have no chairs, which would be very sad. I mean, we could live without chairs, but the world is, I think you'd agree, a better place for chairs. Aren't you glad that someone designed these chairs? Someone else sourced the metal. Someone else worked out how to make the plastic. Another person probably designed the mould. And a whole bunch of people created the factory in which they were going to make all these chairs, employed all the workforce, and then somebody, I guess, did their payroll and paid them money. And then you get the guy who makes the chair. And he does a good job of making this chair so that your bum doesn't hit the floor tonight. Like it's a sturdy chair. You're like... Yeah, are you glad he did a good job of that day after day he goes to the factory and he works or better he cultivates along with thousands of other people taking what is in god's world and developing it for the good of your backside they've cultivated i hope you can see and you'll think think about more examples in your study in some way sometimes it's really big sometimes it's just a little way you and I contribute to the task of doing good in our world for other people. Whether it's making something, designing, teaching, making money for people, entertaining people, assisting someone else, organising somebody else's diary, serving a sandwich, raising a child, caring for the elderly, writing in an essay to greater understand something in God's world. We all can work to cultivate for the good of others in obedience to God, our chief cultivator. Now, for some roles, that might feel more obvious. For some of us, that's harder to see, maybe. It's hard to figure out, not least because of the fall. We're going to do that next week. There's frustration in this. You're like, I don't feel like I'm doing much cultivating and doing good. We'll get there, okay? But this is the vision. And actually, I want you to take the opportunity of this series to go, okay, God, help me to see in the roles that you've given me in life, how am I cultivating? How can I take what's in your world and use it for good? Final thing, more briefly. Jesus cultivates. If God cultivates in his work and if humans cultivate in their work, what about the God-human? Turn to Acts chapter 10. doobie <laughs> Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. Um, This is Peter speaking and he gives a little kind of summary of Jesus' life. He talks about um, Jesus and how, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil Because God was with him. What did Jesus do with his life? He worked. He he went around doing things. He he did good. He cultivated. He went around doing good. Jesus didn't sit around doing as little as he could because he believed work was a bad thing to be avoided. Firstly, he had a job. He was a carpenter. He made chairs. For the good of other people's backsides. (laughs) And then when he finished that work, he filled his days with the cultivating work of doing good. Now his was a unique role, granted. He healed people who are under the power of the devil. He drove out demons. He made people well. He provided bread and fish for people who were hungry. He taught people what they most desperately needed, the message of Jesus. Jesus rested. He would sleep. He'd enjoy a game of Obama lama with his disciples. But day after day, like you and me, but much better than you and me. He got up with the sunrise, and he went out the door into God's world, and in perfect obedience to the chief cultivator, he went around doing good. He did stuff. And at the end of a long, tiring day, and some of you are feeling this right now, he'd lay down his head to rest, only to get up the next day with the alarm, (laughs) to live out what Adam was given to do, cultivating, caring for, and developing God's world for good, and a good beyond our imagination. So let me ask you again, how do you feel if I tell you, when I tell you, that we will spend eternity working? It changes things when we see our work as cultivating God's world for good, I think. It changes things when we see that God cultivates, that we were created to cultivate, that Jesus himself filled his life with good work for the glory of God. So that's our foundational vision And we're going to develop with all sorts of yeah, but what about and yeah, but what about over the weeks. But this is the big vision of the Bible, that we are created in the image of God to work, to cultivate, to do good in his world. Let me pray and then we'll get to our studies. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this vision. Thank you for your work that you didn't do the bare minimum when you made this world but you you created a beautiful thriving world of lights of darkness of the sun and of rain and crops and cattle and animals and beautiful waterfalls and sunsets and raw materials for us to use to build houses and cities and You created humans, the crowning glory, so that we could have families and enjoy, most of all, a relationship with you, to do things in a billion, seven billion different ways, to live different individual lives, different roles, all made in your image, to glorify you as we carry on your work of cultivating this incredible world you've made. Lord, this is an exciting vision. And I pray that you'd help us to grasp it, um, to help us now as we get into our studies to see more of it, to uh, explore it. And we pray that you begin to help us to live it. That by your grace and in your power as we follow after our Saviour Jesus, we'll be like him. That people will be able to say of our lives that we went around doing good. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.